morning, we want to look at the fifth beatitude, where our Lord says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. First, we want to look at what the mercy is that we shall receive. Mercy is kindness. Actually, it's more than that. Mercy is kindness to those who are in need. Thomas Watson, who wrote a book on the Beatitudes, illustrates it in this way. If a friend comes and visits you when you are well, he has shown you love. When your friend comes and visits you when you are unwell, he is showing you mercy. Mercy is pity and compassion to those who are in difficult straits for whatever reason. And Jesus promises that the merciful shall receive mercy. And obviously, when he speaks about receiving mercy, he's talking about receiving mercy from the hands of God. Certainly, it isn't from the hands of the world. If you read through the Psalms, you'll see often how the righteous suffer because of the harassment and cruelty of the world. The world eats the church like bread, the psalmist says. But it's mercy from the hand of a God who is merciful. You might remember what uh, the Apostle Paul said about God, or what God himself says about himself uh, to Moses in Romans chapter 9, where he speaks about how he will have mercy on whom he will have mercy, and how God will have compassion on whom he will have compassion, and that to God is the one who has mercy on whomever he wills. That's the kind of God we serve, a God who is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounded in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, the psalmist says, and his mercy is over all that he has made. So God is the one who dispenses mercy and who gives his mercy to those who are merciful. But what does that look like when God dispenses mercy? Well, you'll remember what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 2 as he describes human plight, dead in trespasses and sins, in bondage to uh, the, the evil one, following the course of this world, under a condemnation of God, by nature, he says, children of wrath. That's the needy situation of sinners. And then Paul goes on to say, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he has loved us, made us alive together with Christ. So that's how mercy looks like. It is a sinner who is burdened with the weight of sin, condemned because of the broken law, in bondage because of their allegiance to Satan. And God looks upon that person, sees them in their desperate straits, understands their own profound helplessness to rescue them from their trouble, and then he shows mercy to them. He takes them out of the pit. He removes the sentence of condemnation by putting their sins to Christ's account. He delivers them from the tyranny of the devil and setting them free and making them slaves of God and of righteousness. God completely turns their world upside down. He shows compassion and pity and delivers those who are merciful with his own 
mercy. That's what Jesus promises. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be mercied. They will know the kindness and compassion of God in his great salvation to them shown in Jesus Christ. And Jesus says that the merciful shall receive mercy. Well, who are the merciful? Well, if mercy, receiving mercy, is God showing kindness to those who are in need, then similarly, being merciful means that we show kindness to those who are in need. And if you look through the annals of church history, you'll see that they are replete with people who have shown mercy to others at great inconvenience to themselves. I'm thinking of Mary Slessor, a Scottish Presbyterian missionary, late 1800s, early 1900s, who went down to southern Nigeria as a missionary from Dundee. She saw the lamentable condition of the people, mired in witchcraft. They would take twins and murder them because they assumed that one of them And they didn't know which one, but one of them must have been conceived uh, by Satan. There was cannibalism. There was slavery. There was hatred and cruelty. And Mary Slessor, who was later commemorated on the 10-pound note in Scotland, she went there, gave herself, suffered malaria numerous times, had to be taken off the field to recuperate. She went there because she saw them in their need, and gave herself to show mercy to them and had a profound ministry among those people. But it doesn't have to be that sensational. You don't have to leave this country and go elsewhere, though would to God more would. But you can be merciful to those all around you, those who are grieving, those who are in desperate situations, those who have financial difficulties, those who are distressed or depressed because of their circumstances in life, come alongside them, pray with them, encourage them, spend time with them, refresh them with your time and your energies and your gifts. We are called to be merciful to those who are in need. And Jesus encourages us with this promise If you show mercy to others, show kindness to them in their straits, God will show mercy to you. There is this indissoluble link between these two statements. There's mercy for the merciful. And to put it the other way around then, if you aren't merciful to others, you will not receive mercy. Now, some of us might be uncomfortable with what is said here. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Do you mean to say that God only shows mercy to those who are merciful? That might be frightening to some of you because you know that you don't show mercy. You're harsh. You're critical. You look at people in their desperate situation. You wonder what they did to get themselves in that position. You don't go out of your way to help others. You rather just spend your time with with people who don't have needs or to be self-absorbed in your own happiness. And you're thinking, well, if that's the way it is, 
I might lose out on mercy because I'm not merciful myself. Is it really true that God shows mercy to those who are merciful? Well, yes, it's absolutely true. This is exactly what Jesus says. There is this link between being merciful and receiving mercy. There's no doubt that there's a link. But the question is, what connects the two? And the first thing to note is that it is not a causal link. It's not like, if you do this, then God will give you that. For instance, if you were to paint my house, then I would pay you for the job done. You would have earned it. You would have merited it. It is what you would have deserved to receive from me. But that's not the link that Jesus is mentioning here. And you know that that's not the link because that would turn the whole gospel upside down. Mercy is to the undeserving. And if you've earned it in some way, either by your good character or your kindness to those in need, then it wouldn't be, you wouldn't be undeserving. You would deserve for God to treat you that way. If, if it were because you have shown mercy, then, then you could boast. You could congratulate yourself. You could say, I'm so glad I was kind to those people because otherwise I wouldn't have received mercy from God. No, the gospel is not of works so that no one can boast. There's no way we could ever earn mercy because that would destroy grace and even more, none of us would be sufficiently merciful enough in order to earn the favor of God. So what is the link between being merciful and receiving mercy? Because, as I stated, there is that link. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Well, there's a double link. The first is that when we become Christians by faith in Jesus Christ, then we are united to Christ. In fact, this is, this is the Bible's number one way of describing Christians. We are those who are in Christ. We are in union with him. And when you are in union with Christ, not only does God justify you, and I'll explain those terms in a minute, not only does God justify you, but he also sanctifies you. So that when we believe in Jesus Christ, our sins are transferred to his account, and he takes them as if they were his own. And then his righteousness is transferred to our account. God made him who knew no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. There's this great exchange that takes place. So that in union with Jesus Christ, God looks upon us, sees us in union with Jesus, sees that Christ has taken our sins because God has laid our iniquities upon him, sees that Christ has given us his righteousness, and then God looks upon us as if we had never sinned and as if we had been as perfectly obedient as Christ was obedient for us. That's justification. 
so that when a sinner in union with Christ stands before the all-seeing eye of a holy God, God declares him not guilty. That's justification. But when we are in union with Jesus Christ, God not only justifies us, he also sanctifies us. That is, he delivers us from the tyranny and the bondage of sin and Satan. We are taken from the kingdom of darkness. We're transferred to the kingdom of his beloved son. We are transformed. We aren't what we once were. We are transformed, and we are now enabled to become more and more like the Lord Jesus, so that the Holy Spirit of God, who was upon the Lord Jesus, animating him throughout his earthly ministry, that same Spirit is upon us to enable us to become more like Jesus. Some of you children remember when you learned how to write your letters, and there would be dots on a page, and you would have to trace those dots so that the the letters looked exactly like they should be. Well, that's what God the Spirit is doing in the lives of Christians. Christ is the pattern. Our lives are placed on top of his life, and then the Spirit traces the life of the Lord Jesus into our lives so that more and more we look like Jesus. So what's the connection here? The connection is this. What was Jesus if not merciful? I mean, you can see his kind compassion throughout his earthly ministry, how his heart went out to the needy, to the distressed, to those who were discouraged how he fed the hungry when his disciples wanted him to send them away so that they could fend for themselves, how he had pity upon the widows, how he treated so tenderly uh, the, 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 the woman whose, whose daughter was um, demon-possessed. He was merciful. And then the great demonstration of his mercy was his going to the cross if you are reading through Robert Murray McShane's prayer guide uh, or, or Bible reading guide, you'll just have read about Gethsemane, where the Lord Jesus thinks about the cup that he's about to drink, and it almost destroys him. He falls to the ground. He's overwhelmed with sorrow. He cries out to the Lord, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. But he did it. He drank the cup not because of any benefit it brought to him. It brought him great grief and sorrow and struggle. But he did it because he's merciful to those who are in need. He saw humanity. He saw his own. And he recognized that they were just helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And if I don't die for them, then they will die. If I don't drink the cup of wrath, then they're going to have to drink the cup of wrath. And out of a heart of full of love and compassion for those who are in need, our Lord Jesus said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will. Let me drink the cup of the wrath of God to the dregs. That's mercy, if ever there was mercy. Mercy at great inconvenience to himself, showing pity and compassion to the needy. And the point is, 
that if God has brought you into union with Christ and you are justified before him, then God is also working that kind of mercy into your life. So that uh, you can think of it this way. If you aren't merciful, you have no reason to suspect that you've received mercy. If you're not justified, you have no reason to suspect that you are uh, sorry, if you're not sanctified, you have no reason to suspect that you're justified. And on the flip side, if you are merciful, you have received mercy. Because in union with Christ, God has been gracious to you. So that's the first link. It's union with Christ. You can't help but be merciful if God has saved you. But there's another link, and that's more at the level of our experiences. When you think about what the Lord Jesus has done, his kind compassion, his tender heart towards you, that he looked upon you in the profoundness of your need and the desperateness of your condition, and he showed pity to you. How could you show anything but pity to those around you? I mean, did, did Christ serve us at inconvenience? Yes. Then, then should we not serve others at our inconvenience? Did, did Christ go down to, to those who had nothing to offer to him? Yes, he did. So shouldn't we be like that? I mean, how could you be anything but? Don't you sometimes wonder why Christians, professing Christians, act the way they do, the way they treat with unkindness other people? And you wonder... Do they not know how undeserving they are of the mercy of God in Jesus Christ? Because if they knew, certainly wouldn't they extend the same grace to others that God has extended towards them? And the answer is, yes, they would. You remember that story that Jesus told later on in Matthew's gospel in Matthew 18, about that man who owed a great debt, and the, uh, the king came to him and said, uh, you, you owe me 10,000 talents, and, and I, I forgive it. I, I just erase the debt. And, and so that man who, who had uh, his debt erased because the master had shown pity to him, he went out, found a fellow servant who owed him just a 100 denarii, and seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay. And he refused and, and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. And then there's other fellow servants. They saw what had taken place, that this guy who had received so much mercy from the master was unwilling to show mercy to the one who owed him money. The other servants said, this is a great injustice. This is profoundly distressful. And they went and reported to the master all that had taken place. And this raised the ire of the master. And he says, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy upon your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And that's what Jesus is saying here. Of course, mercy comes to the merciful. 
Because how could you be anything but merciful when you contemplate what God in Christ has done for you? This is what the Lord's Supper is all about. It's a, it's a table of mercy. It is a demonstration of the kindness of the Lord Jesus that he who was God became man. Right? We commemorate his body and his blood. He who was God became man. He identified with us in our humanity. And he identifies with us in our sin. That's why this is a commemoration of his death on the cross. His body was given. His blood was shed for sinners who needed mercy. So let me ask you, have you received mercy? How do I know? Are you merciful? Have you received mercy and are you merciful? Perhaps you aren't merciful because you haven't received mercy. Or perhaps you aren't merciful because you've forgotten what mercy you have received. Either way, it doesn't really matter where you are this morning. Just go to the Lord Jesus Christ. Marvel at his mercy. Delight yourself in what he has done for sinners in his work on the cross. And then go and do likewise and know the blessing of God upon you. Let's pray. Oh God, our Father in heaven, how great you are and how supremely gracious you are. You could have left us in our sin, but you didn't. Our Lord Jesus Christ came from heaven to earth, identifying with us in our humanity, identifying with us in our sin, paying the penalty for us so that we might be saved. We worship you, O God, you who are rich in mercy. And as we contemplate your goodness, we ask, how can we render thanks to you for all your kindness to us? We will take the cup of salvation. And since flattery is the greatest demonstration of praise, we will strive by the power of your Holy Spirit to be merciful to others. Forgive us for when we fall short. And enable us by your Holy Spirit to be all that we should be so that we might enjoy your favor, so that we might be a blessing to others, and so that uh, you might be praised, our Lord and our God. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let us sing in response.